What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Dre. And and today's episode, I'm actually, I know I say that I'm usually really excited for the episode, but today I'm actually legit excited. Um, I know a lot of people that they they say they want to do something. They say that they want to make a difference. They say they want to change the world and 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 you know spread positivity, but there's not a lot of people that actually go and do it. And my guest on the show today is somebody who 2020 um, decided to get up and get on this bike and and make a difference. Uh, my buddy, Matt Cuesta, how's it going, man? How are you, Jay? How are you, man? Everything's good? Uh, you know, it's as good as it can be. We're in a pandemic, but, um, you know, some of us are surviving. Some of us are uh, thriving. Yeah. And, and I put you in the thriving category. I don't know if you would put yourself <laughs> there, but... <laughs> In, in different, in different, in different aspects, I'm thriving, and in, in others, I'm surviving. So yeah, I bet, yeah. man. There's a human element to everything, and and I want to get into all of it with you. When I thought about this episode, I thought about, man, there is so much Matt and I could talk about. There is so much, man. I see the shirt there, forty six for George, which we're gonna get into in a little bit. Yeah. But um, first of all, how how are you doing? It's a pandemic, you know. We're in twenty twenty one as we're recording this in February. Yeah. Um, how are you, how's it going on your end, man? It's, it's okay. Um, it's, I'm maintaining, um, the, the new normal is a little bit difficult. I think taking away the human contact from us is, is hard. There's no separation from, you know, I, I log off, I work from home. So, you know, I log off around four o'clock, I close the laptop, but I'm still here. So mentally there's no separation. So, you know, you're forcing yourself to go for walks and, you know, try to break up the day. I, I was talking to my colleagues and the thing I miss the most is like those little breaks in the day. We used to go play ping pong for 10 minutes or, you know, joke with each other. Um, that's no longer. And mentally it's having a toll on, on me and a lot of people. So, I mean, other than, you know, I'm grateful to still have a job. Um, I know a lot of people are in between jobs and don't have a job right now. So I'm grateful for that. It's just, uh, it's a little bit difficult to be a human right now, but I'm, I'm maintaining I'll say. Yeah. And, and we were saying you're, you're totally right. And we were saying in kind of the pre-interview before we started recording, living in your working space and working in your living space is, is difficult because you don't have that separation. Like you just said, like you used to be able to walk home or take the bus home or something. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, you know, before the pandemic, I, I think everyone's dream, well, I'd love to work from home, just wake up out of bed and, and just log in, you don't have to commute or anything, but you know, those, those, the commutes on the bus, I used to walk to work. The, I used to, I used to be happy taking that walk to work in the morning. It would get the blood flowing. It give me ideas. I hear the birds chirping. I'd see people walking. Those visual aspects really spark the mind and, and, you know, get the create creativity going for the rest of the day. And you don't have that anymore. It's, it's groundhog day every day. So it, it's hard, but I don't know, man, try. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like you, you talk to people and we're so conditioned to asking people questions like, what are you doing later? Or what are you doing this weekend? Or how are you doing? Or what are you doing later? To And the answer should be nothing. Yeah. Like the, the answer should be like, I don't know, man, like watching <laughs> yeah. TV, like something. Right. But, but we don't know. Like, I think when we started the conversation, it was like, how are you doing, Dre? And I'm like, <sighs> and I told you, my response was, "That's that's the answer I'm getting from people. It's like, uh, it's it's okay, uh, but you know, because it's just like everyone's in that same position. And you know, I guess it's good we can relate on that aspect. But man, like 
you're right, man. Like, I just miss, I miss, like, I think the last time I saw you was Mitty's birthday. And, like, I was, I was scrolling through pictures the other day, and it's just, like, I, I miss that, man. It's just, like, just getting together and just being a human, right? So, man, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, it's rough, but um, I think we're going to be in it for the long haul. You know, they're talking about yeah. this vaccine and stuff, and we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but... This is the new world, man. This is the new world, the great reset, as they're calling it. I don't know if you're into that conspiracy stuff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, my sister sends me these articles and these videos all the time. I'm like, Sharice, man, like, what is it? Whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know what? The, 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 the silver lining to this, I'd say, is on, on the topic of, I don't really follow much conspiracy theories, but the mm -hmm. word reset, it's not, it's not untrue that we are resetting in a certain certain way but i think the silver lining to this is that we're kind of you know coming to to realize what's important and what's not like you know shopping for one i mean nothing's open to go and just window shop and eventually spend money where you don't really need to you're kind of forcing yourself to okay what do i need and what don't i need people are forced to go on walks because the gyms are closed i go for a walk every day granted it's the same route but you know it gets me out it gets me active and it's something different from what i was used to at the gym which was just <laughs> straight up you know weightlifting and you know it the bike was a was a product of the pandemic of me going out there like I, I was talking to some people that i met last year if if this pandemic didn't happen 46 for george wouldn't have existed because there's going to be sports on tv clubs are going to be open restaurants are gonna, no, no one sat to say would care this was something for people to do and an outlet and something you know, people needed to come together. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. the silver lining is that it's it's showing us different different ways to do things and, you know, different thoughts about us and humans. Exactly. And, I, and I'm really glad you brought up 46 for George because you do have it on your, on your t-shirt. It's kind of like everything about who you are as an individual right now. I think when, when a lot of people are introduced to you last year and, and including in this podcast, they're gonna think of 46 for George. I don't know if you've had a lot of practice explaining what 46 for George, because I feel like as much as it is a physical thing that you do, it's more of a, it's like a spiritual thing. Yeah. Uh, if I'm, if I'm on the right, if I'm on the right track, but 100%. for, for those of us who have never heard of, of Matt Cuesta, for those of us who have never heard of 46 for George, how can you describe what 46 for George is? Well, it sparked obviously, um, well, not obviously, if you don't know, um, it sparked from the murder of George Floyd. Uh, last year, um, I decided on a whim one day to ride 46 kilometers every day for 46 days. And the 46 comes from um, how old he was when he was murdered. Um, so I, I decided that on a whim to, to, to do that on my bike and to kind of protest in a peaceful, in a peaceful way. Um, there, was, there were many protests last year, 2020, um, as, as we all know. I decided that was my protest. And like you said, um, as much as it was physical, it, it was, I think more so a spiritual and mental challenge for me, to be honest with you. And I, I've touched on this slightly. I can go into it more now, but Please. last year, man, was, it was different. Physical pain, I, I, I can deal with. Um, I, I have no problems with it. I guess, cause it's like, it's there, it, it's in you. Like, you know where the pain is, like you can remedy it, right? But the mental pain and the spiritual pain was was something I wasn't prepared for. Um, my DMs every day, were, I became a sponge for people's pain. Like people were, were, were messaging me 
crying some not you know you could hear the pain in their in their message not physically crying on the, on, the, on a message or anything but I could I could hear their pain in their message and asking me what do I do how can I help like I experienced this and that was something I was not prepared for at all like dealing with my own pain and then taking on others while you know trying to be a sympathetic human being and trying to help them too while trying to work on my day job and run this run this campaign that you know sparked out of on the second day blogto picked it up and from there, I, I just, I, I had no media training. Uh, <laughs> I had no, dude, I, I was just riding my bike, man. I posted it up on Instagram on day one, second day, it blew. Uh, I didn't expect that at all. I expected a, a couple of friends to join me in and, you know, E-Man joined me on running uh, 4.6 every day. But man, um, spiritually, it was rough, man. It was, it was really tough. Uh, I posted on my Instagram the other day that like, I, I, I break down and probably cry once a week. And that, that's the truth still to this day, man. And it's just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's rough, man. And, and I've been speaking on, you know, racism and diversity most of my adult life through, I used to, I used to rhyme, I used to rap and I, I spoke on that a lot, my poems and everything. Um, so it, it just never got to this point of, of attention, of media attention. And that was something I wasn't, prepare for it all, man. It, and it was, it was rough, man. It was, it was really rough. Thank you for, um, for being so transparent and, and I commend you for your journey and there's so much to unpack there. There's so much that, um, that we can touch on. Yeah. Well, where I want to start is from, from, from my perspective, it looked like you were getting up every morning at 6 AM. First of all, no, four, maybe, four maybe describe, for, describe to me. So describe to me what you did every day. So I know you did 46 kilometers either on your bike and then it was 4.6 kilometers by running if it was raining or whatever yeah, it was, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so what, what did, what did every day look like for you? So it'd be 4.30 in the morning. I'd get up. I'd drink a glass of water immediately. Um, use the washroom. I'd shower just to wake up um, just so I could get, get warm in my body. Have another glass of water, something sweet just to get some uh, like fast carbs in me. And then I ride, I'd come home. I'd try to do it in an hour 20. That's a fast day. Um, some days it would be an hour 30, some days an hour 40, just cause I might've been tired. But yeah, I'd come back by about six o'clock the latest, um, get ready for work, uh, work and deal with the media questions and deal with the interviews and deal with, like I said previously, people's pain. Um, it, it was exhausting. And like, like I said, man, more so mentally, it was exhausting. And, and, you know, not everyone is on board. I think I was talking to Emmanuel. He's to our listeners, our mutual friend. Um, you know, he, he said, I'm not solving cancer where everyone can get on board. This is a very, you know, topic where, you know, there's two sides, you know, where there shouldn't be, but there is where people didn't like what I was doing. People didn't agree with what I was doing. People said, what, what is he going to solve riding his bike? I, like I was as much love as I was, as I was getting, I was getting a lot of hate still to this day. I still get hate. I still get comments of, you know, you're an idiot, this, that, and the other, like, you know, you know how it is on social media. I try to block it out, but it's, it's hard, man. It's, 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 it's really hard to ignore that. I try, but, uh, 
yeah, my day was packed until, you know, nighttime about nine o'clock where I just passed out. I would try to like take baths with Epsom salt to relax my body. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't stretch for those 46 days. I didn't meditate. It was just go, go, go. I, I was running on adrenaline for 46 days. And when I finally stopped, it like hit me. Like I need some rest, but yeah, that was my day. Wow. Take me, take me on the journey, man. Like what, what were some of the, what were some of the emotional highs and lows? Like there's so much there. I can only imagine people in your DMS. I thought there was, there was somebody from Egypt or something like that, that had reached out to you or somebody who was doing the ride as well in the middle East or something like that. Albania. Albania. Yeah, Yeah. So I got messages from Albania. I got messages from Africa, excuse me, uh, the States, obviously and across Canada, um, the UK as well. Um, the highs were, you know, the community coming together, um, just especially on that day 46 and throughout, throughout my rides, like some mornings I'd be out there 4.30 and approaching five o'clock and people would be out there, hey, hey, Matt, riding mm-hmm. with me. And like, it's like, cause they, I, I uh, for your listeners, I would ride uh, the exhibition loop, the exhibition grounds. It was close to my home. It was a simple loop that I could just do and avoid cars and not stop. So people knew where I was and they would come ride with me. And the highs were the community coming together and spreading the message, um, you know, getting, getting the word uh, across to, to all of their friends and families. Um, it, it's, it's the butterfly effect, right? Just, you know, you starting something and it, it continuing. And, you know, one of the, one of the messages, uh, Roland, uh, he might listen to this. He, he's a cyclist uh, uh, in the city. He's like, it's not up to, it's not up to you to, to carry on the message anymore. Now it's up to us, you know, and that really resonated with me in one of the higher moments where it's like, cause I was always worried about what's going to happen after day 46. Cause I was getting that question a lot and it, it kind of bothered me mm-hmm. to segue into a low point. It's just like, can we embrace what's going on right now? You know, like we're, we're, we're in this microwave generation where it's just like, bam, bam, bam. You know what I mean? Like what's next? while I'm doing something, you know what I mean? And he kind of put my mind at ease at that point where it's just like, I don't have to do anything else. If I decide to stop, that's, I've done what I need to do. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not stopping, but like, if I do need rest, I can rest. And um, I think that, that was probably one of the higher points. It's, it's, it's very, you know, maybe not, not a grand high moment, like, you know, the last ride or anything, which was a high moment. But to me personally, that was a very high moment where it was just like, you know what, Questy, you can relax a little bit. Don't worry. You've, you've done what you need to do. It's up to us now. And you know what? A lot of people, I'm, I'm wondering if you got this question as well, because a lot of people who are going to be watching this uh, podcast are going to see that you are not dark skin. You're not black like I am. Um, yeah. you, you have a mixed background. So yeah. Uh, did that, was that a factor into, well, why do you care? You're not even black or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. was that a thing that you heard? So, I mean, that's something I've battled with. I'm glad you asked that question, man. Cause it's still, it's still to this day, like kind of searching for an identity. Right. And like Emmanuel said it too. Like, he's like, why is it guys like you and Kaepernick, you know, always the, the loudest in the room. Right. And he, he broke it down for me. And he's like, cause you're searching for, you know, your, your identity, you're searching for a group, right? And it's like, I grew up, my mother's Jamaican, my dad's Maltese. I grew up in a Jamaican household. I was told since I was a young age, my grandmother always told me this, um, in this country, once you have black in you, you're considered black. 
and that goes back to what's called the one one drop one drop rule where you have one drop of black blood in you going back to slavery in the states you were considered black so i didn't know when i was young that that's you know what she meant by you know once you have black in you you're black um but I identify as black. I identify as all I know, to be honest with you. I grew up in a Jamaican household. You know, I, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's tough. Cause I did get those questions. I got one radio interview where she's like, she asked straight up, are you black? Like, it was like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it caught me off guard, man. It's like, the, the bluntness of it too, right? So, um, you know, you, you're right. And like, I, I, I struggled with it growing up. Um, I think a lot of mixed, mixed children do, you know what I mean? Like searching for an identity, searching for somewhere to fit in, man. It's just like, you know, I naturally progress. I naturally hung out with black, black kids when I was, when I was a kid, just because my family was black. That's what I felt comfortable around. Right. So it was tough, man. It was, it was really tough. And my grandfather, I don't know if you've uh, seen some of my stories during the 46, but when I was pulled over by the police um, years ago for apparently being on my cell phone, which I wasn't, the law wasn't even in place at the time for being on your cell phone. Uh, the officer um, searched my car, had me step out of a vehicle on the 401 and then let me go. My grandfather said, uh, when I got home, I was living with them at the time. He was like, you're not even black like me. And that's like, it, it, it really resonated with me to this day and it still will. It's just like, to, to answer your question about, uh, I'm not as dark skinned as you, like I'm still experiencing, I'm, there's, still, there's still a sliding scale of racism. Like where he, he met by, you're not even black like me. And that's what I went through. And it kind of made me realize like, yeah, I'm not even black like you and I'm still experiencing it. So, I mean, people, people don't see me as white um they know i'm different i've been called i've been called spanish i've been called this that and the other i've been called the n-word so i mean to tell me i i haven't experienced racism eh, <laughs> i bet it's different that's so interesting you know i never thought about growing up i never thought about what life would be like as a light-skinned person yeah you know like when I was when I was a kid, my light skinned friends were just my friends and I saw them as black and I never considered the duality of going home and having a white mother or a black mother and a white dad or a black, you know, just being able to see both sides. And yeah, yeah. and and something you said was really interesting. And it's I've, I've heard other mixed race children say the same thing is like searching for an identity. It's yeah. just searching for like what community do I belong to? Yeah. You know, like where can I where can I feel at home? And I started and, reading Obama's book and uh, the first chapter, he touched on the exact same thing I went, I was going through in college. Like, where do I fit in? And that really resonated with me, right? So, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, please. Go on your topic there, but yeah, man, it's like, and even even the whole, to, to be completely honest with you, the whole light skin, dark skin thing is, is kind of self-hate within the black community, right? I was looking at, I was watching uh, YouTube the other day, just having music videos playing in the background while I work. And uh, Rick Ross's uh, video came on with Drake back in the day, Aston Martin Music. Mm -hmm. um, so in the beginning of the video, there's a dark skinned black girl with unkept hair and a light skinned black girl with curly hair done up. 
and little Rick Ross was talking, there were kids and little Rick Ross was uh, saying to the girls, one day that's going to be my car talking about an Aston Martin and the dark skin black girl with unkept hair said, Ricky, you ain't never going to get that car. And then the light skinned girl was like, don't worry, Ricky, that'll be your car. And it's just that subtle, that subtle scene kind of just like if, if, a, if a child is watching that, a, a dark skinned black child, black girl is watching that, how does she feel? You know what I mean? That, that she's seeing that she's angry. Like it just portrayed that, that, that stereotype of the angry black woman, right? Um, so back to my point of just like this whole black, uh, dark skin, light skin thing, even within our own community is detrimental to us where it's planted from slave days, right? Where it's just like the lighter you were, you got, you got more things, right? So, I mean, it's just like, that's something too that we have to even overcome as well. Right, but then on the other side of that, I think yeah. that there comes a, a responsibility, but not only a responsibility, there's almost like a privilege, right? Because the lines are so blurred yeah. that, I mean, for me, looking at the other side of the fence, I feel like the lines are so blurred that you can almost weave in between both sides, like a Drake who can be white when he wants to, mm -hmm. and he can be black when he wants to. And I'm wondering if, if that was something that you grew up with or that's something you experienced in your life. I posed this question after my 46 rides and I said it, I put it on a story. I'm like, if, if I was dark skinned, would I have got as much media attention and much attention if I wasn't light skinned? And I don't know. Dre, imagine if it was you. <laughs> imagine if it was you on the bike. You know what? Six four. How tall are you, man? Yeah, six four. You're six four, you know, tall, dark skinned, built black man who inherently people fear, the fear of the black man, right? Imaginely, imagine it was you. Would you have got as much? I, I, that question battle, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. Does it matter though? Does it, doesn't matter, I, I mean- no, I, no, I, I got that response too, does it matter? It, it doesn't matter, but it, there's a reality of it because there are, there are people that are darker skinned that, might have not get as much media attention and connections that I made based on me being lighter. And that's a question I, I, I'm battling with and I don't know how to answer it. Like, I, how, do you feel that you would have done it? See, it's hard, right? I, it's hard, like, and, and unfortunately, here's the thing though. I think I would have gotten different attention, maybe not more or less. And, and, mm. and the reason I say that is because I think that certain publications are more inclined to reach out to you because it's, it's, it's okay for their viewership. It's okay for their viewership yeah. to see white it's people so all the right. time and then see a guy who's not white. So they wanna hear what he has to say, but he's not black. So they're not gonna immediately dis dismiss it, right? Yeah. So there's, there's those markets that are going to reach out to you and I wouldn't get those markets. But then on the other hand, you have the, the super black markets that are looking at you like, oh, this guy is just a culture vulture. He's yeah. not really that serious, but then yeah. they're gonna support me. So I think, I think there's like a, a trade-off. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I like, see, I totally get you. like CTV news is gonna, is gonna support you. Right, Blog TO is more so going to support you, but then like Blavity or um, 
you know, uh, the, the, the like the hyper black publications are going to reach out to me, like Fever TV or wherever it is, they're going to reach out to me. Yeah. They were like, hey, man, you're doing something. So I don't know. I It's hard to say. You know what? Like I did get on that blog TL post um, that they did post up on their Instagram. There was almost 200 comments. And I, I, I read every one just because going back to that social media thing. And there was a black woman on there that commented like, you're not even black. <laughs> so I, I get what you're saying. Like, I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't, I didn't think about it like that, but you're totally right. There's different markets that would appeal, that would reach out to you and would look at me like, oh, he's just trying to not profit because I'm making no money off this, but trying to culture vulture, right? But mm-hmm. it goes to back to education. It goes back to learning that something that we don't do as a society, I think it's, it's a microwave generation. It's going back to your, uh, the, the, um, the pandemic and the, uh, the, the, the theories, like no one's actually, everyone I, I say reads headlines now. Um, you need to put the facts in the headlines because no one's reading the article, no. nobody. No. So everyone's getting the news from Instagram, from memes, right? And um, if, if, if people reach out to me and I invited people to reach out to me uh, through DMs, talk to me, you know, if you wanna, See, if I'm, I, I, I specifically remember one guy, he posted three hateful comments, like just back to back to back. And I literally messaged him and I said, hey, I said, hey, brother, if you think I can do better, DM me. He DM me. At the end of our conversation, he apologized and said he loved me. And I, no one, no, I always invited people to talk to me, talk to me. If, my whole thing was uncomfortable conversations, right? So I couldn't preach it and not practice it. Um, but to your point, like no one, people prejudge. People look at me like, I, I look Spanish. My last name's Cuesta. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they might, they might, they might, you know, okay, he's not white, but he's not black. Um, but what is he doing? But, you know, reach out to me, see what I'm about. Like, all I know, all I know is Jamaican culture. All I know is black. That's all I was told I was um growing up um so it's what i identify with and what i what i am dark skin light skin i'm still experienced racism maybe not as much as my grandfather and maybe to your point of like i'm safe for this i'm not safe for that it's just it's, it's a whole dude we could talk for hours on this. <laughs> <laughs> we we could we could and i kind of want to i kind of want to pivot just slightly you, yeah, you yeah. mentioned you mentioned pre- prejudice and you mentioned this this conversation you had with this gentleman and by the end of the conversation he was telling you he loves you 2020 for me and i would love to go back to george floyd and ahmed aubrey and 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 and, and, and brianna taylor Mm. And talk about the stories and the articles and the headlines that dominated 2020, at least in the in the Black Lives Matter space. But the first thing where I want to start is 2020 for me exposed the ignorance of 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 I don't want to just say white people, but of people that are not black. And, And and let me elaborate. We know we know what's going on as black people we know what's going on we know the systems that are in place that to, to to like hold us back we understand what's what's out there we understand the ignorance and the prejudice that's being told to people on a regular basis there are a lot of white people non-black people who have no idea who have no idea and 2020 exposed that to me i'm wondering if through your pursuit in 46 for George and this philanthropic movement, if that was exposed to you as well. And what were the things that you noticed that a lot of non-Black people 
didn't know that you had to educate them on? Yeah, so I, I think one of the, the, the beautiful parts of the movement was, you're right, a lot of, of non-Black people, white people had no idea what was going on. Um, I, it, it's sad that it took a knee to a Black man's neck for eight minutes <clears throat> for them to realize, but that happened and it, it made them realize like, wow, you know, this is going on. And I, I got questions from people uh, at work from high ranking, like VPs messaging me, asking me, um, hey, I have two white sons who don't know they have privilege. How can I teach them that they have privilege? Um, I met, cycling's a very expensive white sport. Put it out there, right? Um, I met people who, Dre, when I was talking to them, to me, it was a different language. They were talking on a different wavelength. And that made me understand too that, okay, if I don't understand them, how are they understanding us? You know, I was trying to, and, and that's, not to, that's not to forgive ignorance and forgive, you know, turning a blind eye. I was just trying to get to the root of, to see where this is stemming from, to, to pull the roots out and like, you know, replant a tree. Um, but there's a, there's a def definite, I'm not gonna say language barrier because they're both English, but an understanding barrier. There, there's two different worlds, man. Um, that's one of the biggest things I realized. Like I knew it existed. I knew that like when you're in a different tax bracket and you're white, your world is totally different, totally different. I knew that, but dude, when I was in it, it kind of took me back and made me realize like, yo, um, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done, man. Uh, what, yeah. do you mean, what, do you, what do you mean you were in it? Like, because you were cycling and you were meeting all of these, these, let's call it white privileged people. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, like I, like I said, man, like cycling is a very rich, white dominated sport. So when I, I I've, I've been rubbing elbows with some pretty prominent people within the city, pretty prominent white people in the city. And, you know, just having, hearing some of those conversations, that's what I meant was in it. When I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fly on the wall to their conversations. And I, I, I realized then that the disconnect is huge. It's huge. They were trying to understand, which was a great sign. Cause a lot of these people I rode with had, they didn't have to reach out. They didn't have to come on my rides at all. So to me, and there was no, this was before like cameras or anything. They, they were coming with me at five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning when no one knows they're there, no one knows who they are. So that to me was a good sign that at least they're trying to understand um, my life and your life and, and the life of black people, right? So that's what I mean when I was in it, when I was in an earshot of a conversation. Right. And, and, you know, and, and to me, to me, that sounds like things are moving in a positive direction. And I remember on Facebook, because there was a time and, and maybe we could segue into, you know, Brianna Taylor and Ahmed Aubrey, but there was a time between April 2020 to maybe end of the summer, uh, beginning of the fall, where things were just incredibly toxic and negative and social media was at its absolute worst. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what walk of life you were from. 
there was negativity coming from you about something. And for whatever reason, the, the Black Lives Matter movement was taking a lot of the hits, you know? Um, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine and we were talking about, you know, just, we were learning about some of the things that white people had no idea about that we had been living with and we had been saying our entire lives and mm -hmm. the frustration of, of understanding that, how could you not know what we've been saying our entire lives? And it's still happening to us. And it's just like, it, it just made us cry. It made us break down and cry. And I remember on Facebook, there was a guy that um, posted something. I'm not using any names just in case they watch, but you know, there was a guy that posted something and it was, it was when, um, it was when I think, um, uh, uh, I think there was the, uh, so there was the situation with the, the cop that, uh, that killed um, Derek Chauvin, uh, the Derek Chauvin, the cop that killed uh, George Floyd. Yeah. Uh, the, all the cops were outside of his house protecting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. And, uh, you know, the, he was just expressing uh, this gentleman on, on Facebook, he was just expressing his, uh, his, you know, his disgust with that and just saying like, oh, it'll never get any better. Uh, you know, we, you know, it's 400 years and we're still here. And I said, look, man, like I'm you and I completely understand what you're going through and what you're feeling. But that feeling is exactly what they want us to feel. They want us to feel like it's never going to get any better. They want us to feel like it's always going to be this way. We have to understand that where we were 100 years ago, where we were 50 years ago is not where we are today. And it's not where we're going to be tomorrow. And I think things like you having these meetings with people who actually genuinely want to understand you are a sign of that. Yeah. And there are people that are going to push back on that and say it's not going to change. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely a sign. I think again, going back to my whole thing about microwave generation, we, we want to see it quickly and we should see it quickly just based on, it's a basic human right. Um, but no, I agree with you. It's, 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 it's progress. Um, it's slow progress. Um, there were people that didn't like that. I was uh, trying to reach out to police. Um, I'll, I'll touch on that. Cause I think that was a little touchy subject with people. Um, you know, from my, as much as me reaching out to police um, was trying to bridge the gap, it was also therapy for me because mm -hmm. I inherently fear police. Um, so for me, it was trying to get over that fear. And, and you know what? I still do. I was driving the other day and a cop was behind me and I turned right when I wasn't turning right just so he could drive past me. I wasn't doing anything wrong, Dre. And <laughs> I, I just like, I, I felt fucking, sorry, I swear, I felt nervous, man. It's okay. And like, it's still there, man, that fear. And like, you you know. I've I been mean, there. I've like, been there. Dude, I, I've had many encounters with police, not just in my car, just like, and like, I, I so as much as me reaching out to them was, was uh, trying to bridge the gap, it was uh, therapy for me too. And, uh, Going back to what you said about, you know, people, people maybe not thinking things will change. They're warranted in their thought, I, I would say, um, just because of the history of things going on with Mark Trayvon getting murdered with Skittles mm -hmm. and, you know, him being acquitted. Like, there's, there's anger. George there's, Zimmerman being acquitted. Yeah, there's anger, there's frustration, and I don't blame people. Um, me, 
I, I've been angry, man. My, my poems, my raps were angry. Um, so I decided to take a different approach. Um, and that approach did get me on a, on, a, on a different journey where people's ears perked. And that's a start. Mm -hmm. uh, is it the mo it's momentum? Is it the speed we want? No, but as the late great Nipsey said, it's a marathon, right? So, um, you know, to the people who said nothing's going to change, things will change. I, I think maybe not in our generation, Jerry, but like, you know, the amount of, you know, I, I, re I think, I think in 400 years is we're just all going to be, I don't think most is going to be racist anymore with everyone. You know, we're coming off that fifties where it was just like, my parents are mixed race where they got looked down upon, but like, we're all going to be mixed up in one way or another, but in, in the next couple hundred years, I, I don't know what discrimination and racism is going to look like then I'll be dead long and gone, but we are going in the right step. Yeah, I think discrimination is going to be maybe pigmentation or maybe yeah. uh, social hierarchy. I have more money than wealth, you, that kind of yeah, thing, or yeah. more wealth than you. It won't be it won't be uh, strictly like you're black, you're white. It'll yeah. be you're lighter than me, you're you're darker than me. Yeah. But I, I think I think you're right, man. I think there is a time coming, maybe in sixty years, even fifty years, maybe shorter than that. After where the baby boom dies off a little, I think I think there's going to be a baby boom from COVID. Right, like I, I, I think there's another. I think there's another baby boom coming. Right, like oh, you're a COVID baby. Yeah, right. This is like the this is like the war um, when the, all the men came back from the war, and then there was all these babies. This is going to be another baby boom. But um, I think there's going to be a, I think there's going to be a time in history, or sorry, let me say that again. I think there's going to be a time in the future where where the people out over there in 60 years or 50 years or however far it is are going to look back and think, yo. There was a time when people used to eat meat, like they used to kill animals and just put them in packages and people would eat them. Hold on. Hold on. There was a time when there were we no, did we use cash? For a car? Yeah. What? We use gas? We use cash? We use, hold on. There was a time when there was only white people in the movies. Like there were no black people. There were no Asians, nothing, nobody. Hold on. There was a time when women got paid less. Yeah. Like I think all the all the things that we're living through now that are slowly changing, there's gonna I come a time. It's funny you mentioned that, man. Because I've been watching, uh, I've been rewatching Boardwalk Empire, uh, mm -hmm. just because nothing to do. Great show. Uh, yeah. So I was I'm looking back at some of their social norms, right, and regarding women. They were they're fighting to get women to vote and like mm -hmm. the hierarchy of status and everything. And it's just like, I was thinking the same thing. Like it's funny you mentioned mentioned that, man. It's just like. What are people going to look back on us and say, wow, you guys used to do that. You used to plug your phone into charge. Like you had a phone, like, if, mm -hmm. I don't know what you have with chips and like, you know, you just touch it, whatever, you know what I mean? But yeah, we naturally progress as a society and as a world. Um, it's, it's, that's how the world works. I mean, unless there's some detrimental thing that happens like the dinosaurs, we're going to naturally progress. Right. So um yeah man it, it's it's not gonna happen overnight to those people that are saying what's the difference they're, they're, we got to chip away man. you're right and it's not gonna happen overnight and and i think the the you, you just said that it's the way the world works and i don't know the world works the way that it does because the people who are running the world 
are the people who were psychopaths 200, 400 years ago and just thought it was okay to just kill people and take over their land yeah. and create slave routes and, and have people do the work for them and build things for them. Like these are the people that, that assembled the world that we're now living in. And we're undoing a lot of those systems and constructs that they've created. So we're starting to understand like, wait a second, it's not, it's not right the way that we're treating women. It's not right the way that we're building businesses and work all the time and don't like it's that stuff that's messed up. All of that is you're hundred percent right, man. A lot of our everyday lives are based on some really am I allowed to swear? Yeah, please. Really fucked up shit, man. Like (laughs) when you that's why I don't understand when people get mad of of people tearing down a statue of of some slave owner. Like, why why is that bad? Like, mm-hmm. do you understand the history of what that person did? And it's like, the more, and I'm not claiming- They don't be, though. Huh? They don't. No, because they don't. they're looking at that person, sorry to interrupt. They're looking at that person, that statue as a forefather, somebody who yeah. built this country from scratch. But a forefather to what? A forefather to this shit? You know but to mean? them, but remember, we're looking at it from two different sides of the fence. Like, like yeah, we're yeah. like, I, I'm looking at it like discomfort. This and person- I'm talking about the disconnect, man. It's mm-hmm. going back to what I was saying, like there's two different worlds. Because listen, you're only you're only you only know what you're taught. Yeah. You're only a product of your environment. If you live in that environment growing up and for the rest of your life, that's all you're going to know. You know what I mean? We were lucky enough to grow up in Scarborough and and I experienced so many, it was it's a cultural melting pot there. Yeah. Like I hung out with majority of black people, but you know, Indians, Asians, white people, Italian, like, you know how stuff. Macedonians, Africans, (laughs) everything, everything. That made us, that made me who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm grateful for that. I I, I wouldn't change a thing about how I grew up because, you know, I I look at some of these people who grew up in a sheltered existence and it's just like, to be blunt, I feel bad for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I really do like you know one thing. Um, I think, and I think growing up, going back to what you said, growing up, you know, mixed race for me and the searching for identities. I, I touched on with with different people. I tried to learn from the different people, and I kind of grew up without hate in that aspect. Um, but yeah, man, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. But it's okay, it's okay. There's yeah. a lot to talk about. Can we talk about Scarborough for like two minutes yeah, yeah, yeah. and just talk about how amazing a place Scarborough is to have grown? We're so lucky. Yeah. We are, I, when I was younger, we didn't, we didn't know. Like we had no idea what it was to have an Asian teacher and to have like a, a chi- uh, like a, an Indian best friend and then like yeah. a Greek, you know, gym teacher. Like it just, we didn't know because we, we you're sitting down at the lunch table and everybody has something different to eat and you're like what's that yeah, and you're like what's that and you're learning about these things at like six seven eight years old whereas if i grew up in another town everyone's white or yeah. everyone's asian or everyone's Chinese. but it's just we grew up around so many different kinds of people from a young age that when we got to 20 and we moved out and we went to all these different places it's like oh yeah i, I know exactly how to speak tamil yeah. or i understand yeah, yeah, yeah. i understand urdu you know, yeah. because I grew up with people like that. Like, like, what was your experience in, in Scarborough? Scarborough, man, like, like I, like I touched on, man, it's like Greeks, Italians, Blacks, Whites, Asians. It's just, it was a, a cultural me- melting pot of beauty to me. Um, like you said, that prepared me for the real world. Um, it, it also 
allowed me to be a better human being. It allowed me to be a better conversa conversationalist. Um, I can relate to more people based off my upbringing. Um, I can relate to your nuances, how, how you, your body language, just I, the food, like you said, like that, that's food. Food, brings, oh. It brings people together. That's just a given. Yeah. And um, when, you, when you have that knowledge, when you, when you grow up experiencing all that different culture like you do in Scarborough, you're a better human, beer, uh, human being, period. That, that's it. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And, you know, the people I've met this past summer from Scarborough, we, we just all instantly connect. It's like we, we, we know. We know where you're from. We know how you upbring. And Scarborough's big. And you just yeah. kind of, yeah. there's, there's what, like eight interchanges off the 401? Yeah. Uh, it's huge, but <laughs> we all we all know, man. Like I, I hear I hear a Scarborough guy talk. I know you're from you know Scarborough. you know you, you know, but you also know what era of Scarborough he's from or yeah. she's from. You know, are they from '90s Scarborough? Are they from like new 2000, 2010s Scarborough? Like you know, you, you know, you're probably from you're probably from VP, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the new Scarborough slang is, to be honest with you. I, I just it's. <laughs> I think it's. I think you know what I think the new Scarborough slang is. It's like what they try. What they're trying to make the Toronto slang is like, like yeah, 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 and yeah. like. I, yeah. <laughs> I think I see a lot of people uh, make fun of that on on Instagram, like when they say where you're from. You yeah. Videos. Yeah. yeah, I see that popping up a lot. Like. Yeah. I mean, I don't. That wasn't from our era too too heavy, but. Um, no. No, no, <laughs> but, it wasn't. No, but yeah, man, Scarborough, Scarborough. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing about Scarborough. I mean, I remember my parents. We moved to Pickering in grade five and moved mm -hmm. back to Scarborough in grade seven. Mm -hmm. And I remember the Pickering guys. It was mostly white at that time. It was nine, ninety-seven. And I did yeah, not yeah, fit all in, white. I did not fit in Pickering at all, man. I got made fun of. There was two black kids in the school. Me and Yannick. I remember it. That was it. And we got picked on and shit, man. <laughs> And um, I told I told the guys, yeah, I'm moving back to Scarborough, and they're all like, "Oh, that's are you sure? That's scary, man! Like, <laughs> so dangerous." Man. I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like, I, I remember this vividly. I was on the playground. I'm like, I, I'm thinking in my head, I'm, like, I'm from there, like, like I'm more uncomfortable here. <laughs> and and like. And like a lot of people, like maybe people that are listening to this, I have a lot of listeners in Mexico, funny enough, but the, for people that people that are listening to this, you may not know what we're, we're talking about. Scarborough is a city in Ontario and it's actually, I've read this and I might have to fact check this. We're in 2021, maybe it's different, but Scarborough is actually home to the largest demographic of, in, of international immigrants that moved to Ontario. They moved to Scarborough. So that's why there are so many different types of people that are in Scarborough. It's a melting pot, like you said earlier. Everybody is there from everywhere and there's mixed race. Like my neighbor, when I was growing up, is uh, was was mixed race. Black mom, white, uh, sorry, uh, black dad, white mom. It's the first time I'd ever seen that in my life. I mean, I'm seven, but yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was like, oh, okay, cool, this is a thing. I worked at a West Indian grocery store where the owner was uh, black and Chinese. Nice. Like he was a where, where you where'd you work? Harry's Harry's, you know, Harry's oh. at uh Markham and Lawrence. I don't know if oh. you, I'm from that side of Scarborough. Yeah. So anyway, and, and like black Chinese was, was, was a thing. And I'm telling yeah. people about it and they're like, Oh, like there's black Chinese people. No, bro, bro. You know, what's funny, man. Cause I grew up, I grew up around uh, uh, black Chinese people, uh, Jamaican Chinese people. Right. Yeah. So Jamaican Chinese. 
a, a Chinese guy speak Patois was nothing to me. But like, yeah. sometimes when I bring someone from not from Scarborough, they're like, yo, what's going on? Like, <laughs> he's, 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 <laughs> Their like, minds what? explode. It's like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> I had no idea this was a thing. It's like, yes, there are Chinese black people. Out of many one people, man, that's a Jamaican thing. But like, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if I didn't grow up in Scarborough, that's the prime example of like, not saying other areas don't have, you know, Jamaican Asians, but just goes back to the point of Scarborough being that melting pot and like of culture, of beautiful culture where, dude, like you said, I had, I had Indian friends. I had white friends, I had black friends, Greek, Greeks, Jews in Scarborough, Greek friends. And we all, we all got along, man. We used to go play Nintendo 64. There was probably five different cultures in there just eating pizza and playing N64. And we were all getting along. And this is high school. This, is, this isn't just like preliminary school where it's like, you know, you're five and six, you get along with everybody. You know, we're 16, 17. We're getting along with it because that's what we know. And mm-hmm. When you break it down, we're at the end of the day just human beings, and mm-hmm. no one, no one hated each other, man. I, I, it was, it was a beautiful thing, and I wouldn't change, change a thing about growing up in Scarborough. I wouldn't change anything either. Are you getting the question, what now? What's next? Are you feeling like you need to be Mister uh, uh, Philanthropy, and you have to take on all things? Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I felt that during. I, I, we touched on it earlier in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I felt that during my forty-six rides. Like people asking what's next. And it's just like, yo, chill. Like I'm in this right now. Let me finish this. Um, definitely hundred percent feel pressure. Uh, I do have some things planned. Um, I'm just trying to organize it all and then announce it properly and having the website rebuilt and everything. But there's definitely pressure, man. Um, and I try to touch back on my friend Roland who said, you know, it's not up to you anymore. Uh, it's up to us. You started it you did your job. It's up to us to carry on that flame. Um, I, I try to center back to that. I try. Um, but there's this thing in me, man, that like, I, I wrote about this yesterday in my, my notepad where it's just like, for some reason, I'm addicted to pain. I'm mm. addicted to, 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 to putting myself through struggle for some reason, dude. And I'm trying to figure that out. Like mm-hmm. I work out three times a day. Um, I only eat 1500 calories a day. I eat within a four hour window and I just work out. And I don't know why it's not healthy at all. Um, and this next um, venture I'm doing, when you hear about it, you're gonna be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and I don't know if it's to prove maybe some doubters that all oh, he did that, what is he gonna do again? Um, maybe it sparks from those people. What's next, what's next, what's next? That in my mind, in the back of my head, I gotta, top what I did when I, I know I don't I know like, like you know I've started the conversation and you know there are waves rippling through but it's tough man it's something I need to uh you know come to terms with and I need to relax sometimes man it's it's, it's not healthy for me I'm going to crash and burn mm-hmm. but uh, yeah well you know what for that therapy is is absolutely important I'm sure somebody has if not yet, somebody has said that to you. I mean, therapy is 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 massive, and it's just a it's just really just a practice of just sitting, and having a, a conversation with yourself, having a conversation with somebody about what are the things that you're feeling, and just taking inventory of what's going on inside your mind. 
I tried. So I, I reached out to uh, a therapist. And, you know, they're hard to book these days, right? I, I bet. <laughs> um, it was it was it was hard for me, and this goes back to like growing up as a man, as a boy, and I think I touched on this in one of my posts, where and you can talk on this too, where it's like mm-hmm. you know we're taught from a young age not to cry, to be strong for so and so, to be to be this and that. You got to be a man. What the fuck does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, growing up with that, which I'm trying to unlearn, I always felt like, you know, what am I going to talk to one, a stranger? You know, what, what are they going to do for me where, you know, I have to try to fix this myself. I think that's a lot of struggle with, with men. Um, and that's something I, I had to overcome and still overcoming uh, is just trying to, you know, I'm transparent in my posts on Instagram. I'm trans- trying to be transparent in my conversations. That post where I put that I cry once a week, dude, my DMs blew up with dudes that said, thank you. I thought I was the only one. And it just proves to me that like, yo, we're all going through this, but we're all, sh- we're all hiding it as mm-hmm. men because society tells us boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. Boys don't show their pain. You suck it up and you fucking deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that's not right, man. Um, I don't know what the original question was, Jay. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, man. It, it's okay, man. It's it's hard. It's it's hard. And 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 in that post, I mean, it, and I and I and I love your post as well. And it makes me feel uh, like okay, there's there's somebody out there who's going through the same thing I am, and it makes it easier for me to go through it. And yeah. and I try to be transparent. I try to be vulnerable as well. I'm going. I'm I'm seeing a therapist. I've seen a therapist since last since 2020. Um, um april so midway before you before yeah go you ahead continue. go ahead is it a woman is it a woman or a man because i was only, it's a I female. Was only i could only get a female and her first statement to me was how do you feel about me being a female and me being white hmm. i didn't even think of it and i i was so honest with her i'm like listen you're the only one available so mm. i told her that straight up so how do you feel about talking to a woman i love it and she's a black female yeah. in Atlanta and I I personally I love women and I don't just I'm not just saying that as a, as a man like I love yeah, women oh, but yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking women it's just mm-hmm. like um what she was asking was mm-hmm. obviously men and women have different go through different things was mm-hmm. her point please mm-hmm. don't yeah don't get me wrong I'm not knocking women at all guys I'm just saying yeah but, no uh, no I I don't think you are I was kind of like yeah. getting onto something but I, I I love women and I think um the perspective that a female therapist has to offer is much, much different and much more vast maybe than what a male uh, therapist would have to offer. I've never had a male, ther- a male um, uh, therapist, yeah. but just being able to, because, you know, like you said earlier, we don't necessarily as men understand how to articulate our emotions and our thoughts because we've never had to, and we've always been never told been to push to. that aside. We've never been taught to, and we've always been told to push that aside. And like the elephant in the room, the thing that we're not saying here is that, hey, look, sometimes women are the ones that are telling us not to express ourselves, right? Like they are, they have also been taught that a man should be this. And yeah, so yeah. when we are being a little bit emotional or vulnerable or like, hey, I need more time or, hey, I need you to be, they're like, be a man or man up or whatever yeah, it is. So, so, so it's coming from like all these angles, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right straight up straight up and 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 i don't think there's enough of that dialogue going on right now but yeah i mean i love having a female therapist um they they she listens um 
I think they have the opportunity to hear the things that you're not saying uh, differently than some male therapists may, if, if I'm making any sense. Like there are times I'll say something to her and she'll say, I'll go on for a while and she'll say, why did you say this? And yeah. I'm just like, I didn't even know that I said that. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. They just kind of like put a, put a highlight on it. And it's like, wow. I, I, and you know what? It's funny. Like, you know, after I told her, like, you were the only one available. Um, I did. I did want to talk to a woman, too, just because, again, going back to the whole male thing is just like. Am I going to cry in front of another man? Like, I'm more comfortable crying in front of a woman just mm -hmm. j just because, you know what I mean? I got to be this alpha dog you know what i mean like what am i gonna do cry in front of a man like and that's again <clears throat> excuse me unlearning right there's a bunch of things that we have to unlearn as men and it's it's true what you said too man we're getting it from all angles on on the men's side you know um when dude when i was in the gym i i always felt i had to like outlift everybody like but for what mm -hmm. like what am i trying to prove <laughs> it was just that in me like i i had a friend i uh I used to go at 4 a.m. to the gym and like we we became friends, everyone in there, you know, everyone in there at 4 a.m. on the same wavelength. So True. we all kind of connected. Yeah. Um, so there's this girl in there who runs like a health a health page and she went to me the other day. And she's like, you know, the first thing I thought of before I met you and talked to you is that you're like really like alpha male, that strong, like standoffish, whatever. But like when we talk to you, you're just the nicest guy. And you know, it made me realize, like, I'm in the gym trying to, like, outlift all these dudes, but for what? And it's, like, on the on the flip side, women are telling you, you know, suck it up. Like, don't be a pussy. Don't be this, that, the other. We're, you're totally right, man. We're getting it from both angles. And it's just like, yo, just stop. <laughs> I'm a human being, too, you know what I mean? So there, There's so much There's so much there, right? There, there, there's Because really what it is is, it's a, it's, it's a fear. It's a fear of really that's, that's your ego. Like the thing that the, that, that this woman you're talking about, the thing that she saw was like the ego that you were projecting yeah. and, and, and the, you're projecting this ego out of a fear, out of a fear from something out of a fear from yeah. exactly. You don't want to be taken advantage of. So you need to develop this shell where you're being protected now. So you exude this this like, don't mess with me. I'm alpha. I'll, you know, I'm stronger than you type mentality. And that really, if you, if you peel back all those layers, it's really a fear that has developed from maybe childhood, maybe, maybe like there's an event that happened in your life. And we all have that in different ways, you yeah. know? And it's just, it, it, you know, the practice of going through therapy and understanding mental health and understanding where that comes from is really just understanding why am I this way in the first place? Who taught me to be this way? Who taught me that this is okay? Right. Whose voice is that in my head that says that I need to be the strongest in the room? I need to be the most powerful in the room. Where Where is that coming from? Yeah, it's, you... it's, it's, it's it's like you said, it's it's childhood trauma. And it's at the end of the day, it's insecurity. I'm, it's, a, it's an insecurity I have. It and that's, it's a cloak trying to protect me. A hundred percent. And like, I don't know where it's coming from. I'm still trying to figure that out. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's definitely all angles, man. It just just sometimes just like stop man just stop just you know let me live right yeah yeah and it, it it informs our partners as well it informs who we 
who we decide to romantically get involved with, right? Because we're so caught up in our egotistical mind that we want somebody who strokes that ego a little bit. So there are a lot of guys, there are guys that I know that only date women that they can control. And there are guys that like will date somebody, but then they'll like cheat on them and date other women just because it feeds their ego. But they don't even know that they're just dating multiple women, having sex with multiple women, just because they feel good and they feel powerful. But that, that's an insecurity itself. Though. It is an insecurity, but they don't see it as that, right? They're just like, well, whatever. I just like, but like rarely do these men take the chance, take the opportunity to step back and think like, why am I doing this? Why do I want to fill my time with women? Dude, well, I was, there's this documentary. I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to find it to you, send to you offline, but they yeah. were, it was, it's basically about boys growing up and how we're, feeding them what we're feeding them mentally and one of the coaches uh for a football team was just like think about what we're telling these kids about women yo i'm gonna hit that mm-hmm. yo i'm gonna I'm take that i'm gonna get mm-hmm. like from such a young age we're we we're taught like we deserve you know women we we have to take it we gotta take control and it's like it starts from a young age and this is go, going back to to you know, race and diversity too. Like it's what we're taught. It's, it's, it's what we're taught, you know, and it's a lot of unlearning to do. How, how long is it going to take? It's not going to be overnight, but. No, know. therapy is a, is a really great way to be there, to, to, to get there. And I'm, and I'm really proud of you for doing that. I'm doing it as well. Not a lot of us, not enough of us are, but you yeah. know, everybody, everybody is on their own journey and they will find their, their way there eventually. Um, and just kind of to put a pin on the therapy conversation is that I don't know if this is happening for you, but it's happened for me and it continues to happen for me. But when you, when you get, when you, when you, uh, are able to kind of shine a light on those dark corners of your mind and, and understand the, what makes you tick, you can see it in other people as well. When you, when you start to identify, this is my ego, this is my pride, this is my insecurity that's speaking, you can see that in other people. And, and it's something that's helped me see it in other people. And I've learned grace. I've learned uh, empathy on a level that I've never learned before. And I think you've learned that as well, even going through the 46 for George journey and being so transparent in your posts and letting everyone know that, yo, I do cry sometimes. It is hard for me sometimes. I think you've learned that as well. Thanks for your time. Great talking to you. Um, let us know where we can find you, man. Where, where can we, where can we find Questa? Where can we f- keep up with yeah, what right you're doing? There, at Questa on Instagram right there. Uh, 46forgeorge.com is being uh, redone. So eventually you can go to the site. The site's still alive, but it's going to be redone. But yeah, main my main source of contact is uh, Instagram. My email email buttons there on the page or DM me, and yeah, we we'll go from there. Got it. Peace. Yeah. Thanks, Cuesta. Uh, appreciate your time, and thanks for everything that you're doing. I'm looking forward to what you have coming up, man. You too, Dre. Take it easy, bro. Peace.